Welcome to Real Estate Investing Abundance, the show for busy, fulfilled professionals like you to learn how to develop financial independence built on solid, passive real estate investments. Now, here is your host, Dr. Alan Lomax. Hello, enlightened investors. Welcome back to the show. I'm delighted to be back with you again today. And we're going to look at scaling our real estate investments the right way. And with us is Stuart Gethner, and he is a real estate investor. He has been investing for over 26 years. Stuart has taught over 20,000 students from Arizona Real Estate Investors Association and the National Real Estate Investors Association. He's the lead editor for the Phoenix Real Estate Agent Magazine and the National Real Estate Investor Association Journal. Stuart was elected to the Forbes Real Estate Council twice. So Stuart, so glad to have you back with us again. And by the way, viewers and listeners, you can find uh, Stuart's previous episode on our previous format, Creekside Chats with Real Estate Investors. So Stuart, tell us three simple strategies to use to get into real estate with other people's money. Well, first of all, thanks for having me. It's great to be back. And I sincerely appreciate you and the audience listening. When we talk about being able to get started in real estate, three successful strategies. Obviously, we're going to start with either mentoring with someone who's done it before so that they can show you how to either get started or scale. So if you're just starting, I like to say that you're going to make plenty of mistakes on your own. And trust me, I still make mistakes. So being able to align yourself with someone that's being going to be able to keep you out of harm's way. You know, now there's an expression that says you never get hit by the bus you see coming. So <laughs> someone that's done it before will keep you in theory, should keep you out of harm's way. And then a, a second strategy we can start using is other people's money. So I'll have a lot of folks get started using other people's money. And many folks start with their own capital. And at some point in time, that capital runs out. You know, many years ago, I back in the day when I would be doing fix and flips, I did a fix it a high end fix and flip with a business partner, and we were able to make one hundred and eighty thousand dollars on the flip. And you know, for, I'm like, wow, that that's a lot of money. Although half went to her and half went to me. And then at some point in time, after we paid down the bills, the Home Depot, life, credit cards, at some point those dollars run out. And we even use those monies to invest in some other properties and opportunities. So our capital is not unlimited. And so we want to make sure we align ourselves with people that have capital and are trusting to us to be able to invest wisely. And then last but not least, uh, we can form partnerships. I call them partnerships, joint ventures, or strategic alliances, where everybody brings something to the table. And I'll give you an example. I, I own property. The, some of the property I, I own is out here in Phoenix, Arizona. I have two business partners, a guy named Art and a gal named Tamara. I do the property management of the properties. That's what we focus on. Tamara is a bookkeeper. She does the bookkeeping. Every month, we get a monthly report. Every quarterly, we get quarterly dividends. And Art is a general contractor. So when there's a problem at one of the properties, a leaky faucet, a backed up toilet, a broken ceiling fan, heater not working, 
I reach out to art and art doesn't get to it a week from Thursday. Art gets to it right away because it's one of his investments as well. So we have formed a, a, a partnership that's been going on more than 10 years because we each bring something to the table. So everybody's got some value, whether you have the time, knowledge and resources, other people may have the money. So those three strategies are great strategies to be able to move forward in real estate investing. Excellent strategies. Stuart, how do you legally use investor capital without a fund? I don't use a fund. And, and here's what we do. I have many companies, but our main company is called Dobson Property Management. And the reason I use the name Dobson is because it was the very first property I bought back in 1997. I'm showing my age. And that's the name of the street that it was on. And they told me when I bought it, you should put it in a company name. And I couldn't think of a company name. So I thought of Dobson Property Management. So, so Dobson Property Management will partner with your company. So we'll set up an entity. And, and uh, let's say yours is Allen Investments, Inc., whatever your company is. We'll set up a mutual third company where Dobson and your company is a part of it. And then that's how we will legally and ethically invest put money, capital into that company. And that company will be used then to make the down payment, pay the vendors for repairs, collect the rents. And so that's how we do it. Now, using a fund has its, everything has its advantages and disadvantages. So having a fund, one of the challenges I saw with a fund is after you 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 get the funds, the money's in the fund, you're, you're always compelled to deploy it as fast as you can because you're paying interest. You're paying, and many times folks will use the money in the fund to pay the interest to the investors, thereby depleting the capital. So, so for us, What's worked well, that strategy worked well. Our, our accountants love it and our CPAs love it because every time we start a new company, they get to do another monthly bookkeeping. They get to do another tax return. So, so certainly everything has its advantages and disadvantages. That's the strategy that I've used. I'm sure there's more than one way to skin a cat, but that's been successful for us. You had mentioned that some people using funds use the fund money to pay the interest. Is that legal? Not knowing enough about the funds, the honest answer to you is, I don't know. Happy to check. Yeah, that that's, doesn't sound like it's legal to me, but it may be. I don't know enough about funds to know that. Neither. So there's also other ways to go about it, and that is owner financing. So tell us about owner financing and how that has worked out for you. Uh, that is a great strategy. And I could talk about that for hours and teach. I teach a whole class on it and work a lot with my clients on it. But with owner financing, I don't know if you know this or the listeners know, but one third of all properties in this country are owned free and clear. Mm. One third of all properties in this country are owned free and clear. Is and, that commercial? Or, or is uh, this... I, I'm speaking strictly residential and commercial. I'm also speaking apartments. Okay. So I'm not talking about commercial strip centers or office buildings or industrial, mainly mm. residential. Mm -hmm. And so what, why it's a great strategy for us is when a seller gets ready to sell, and, and I've had sellers tell me this, those that have apartments or a hundred different SFR single family residences in their portfolio, if they sold it for cash, they would going to get hammered on taxes. And if they got the money in all cash, what are they going to do with it? They would probably go out and invest it in real estate. So from a great tax strategy from a seller, if they use seller financing, their taxable event is cut in increments as opposed to being all at once. Mm -hmm. So we are very forward thinking, very progressive in looking for those opportunities where seller will finance. Another advantage for us as buyers from seller financing 
is that when you're dealing with banks, they want to see tax returns, pay stubs, season funds, uh, current pay stubs, W-2s. I always joke urine sample, stool sample. I mean, they really get into the the, the microsities of it. Yeah, but yeah, when you do seller financing, there is none of that. There's no points. There's no origination fees. You're dealing one-on-one with your seller. And the seller's recourse, because every lender, banks included, they want to know what's going to happen if you don't pay. What's their recourse? If you don't pay, what can I do? And in this scenario, the seller would get their property back if we didn't pay, a property they already know, a property that they've had probably for many years. Now, again, they don't want their property back, but everybody's got to wonder, what's my recourse? What if? What if I get hit by a bus or struck by lightning? And it's also a great estate planning for the seller because usually they might be older and heaven forbid, should they pass on, then the loan doesn't go away. The estate continues to get the payments. So so for us, seller financing is an excellent strategy. We actually seek that out. And many sellers, because they're real estate investors, are already familiar with seller financing. It's a strategy they're familiar with. We don't have to educate them. Mm-hmm. You know, back in the day when we were doing SFRs one at a time and asked the seller for seller, we'd have to go through the process of explaining what it is. Mm-hmm. There's no explaining to a real estate investor. They already understand that. Right. And they're probably used it themselves. So much more willing to engage in that kind of thing, not just for taxes, but uh, it's a marvelous means of cash flow for them without the headaches of managing uh, the property. What are the mistakes that even advanced investors need to watch out for? Great question. And here's my answer to that. And I've come across this a couple of times over the past few months here myself with some of my clients that have gone out on their own and look for either people to invest with or opportunities to invest in. And that is not vetting out who they're doing business with. Mm-hmm. And, and you can go to these uh, local RIA meetings and they'll put people on the stage that uh, appear to be legit. And I've learned and others have learned the hard way that not everybody's legit. So not vetting out who you're doing business with or where you're investing is probably the number one mistake because many successful, you know, in my previous life, I'm a pharmacist. I used to own pharmacies here in town and I've got a nice reputation with the other healthcare professionals in the area and they like to invest with me. They've known me through the years. They know they knew me back when I was dispensing medication. And so there's that relationship. Mm-hmm. But when we find an opportunity and all we get is a brochure or a website to go to, and it's even if it's right down the street or, or if it's out of state, you got to make sure you know who you're doing business with. And I, I find that that's a challenge, especially for busy professionals who are successful, who are working in their practice. And they're take, they're doing the day, whether it's a dentist, a physician, chiropractor, veterinarian, they're working in. And so they want to be able to invest to create passive cash flow or other investment opportunities. And so they're the ones that fall fall failure to that. And that is not knowing who they're doing business with. Enlightened investors, if you haven't done so already, be sure and click that like button and also click that share so others can take advantage of the content. And finally, be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single one of our upcoming episodes. Yeah, that's excellent advice. I mean, uh, the real estate industry, I guess per person, I think there are probably more gurus out there than there are in any other industry out there. And all you have to do to be a real estate guru is to say that you're a real estate guru. 
and uh, a lot of them are just phonies. So you're spot on. And, and if I could just elaborate. So when I owned pharmacies, I had a couple of partners and one of my jobs was to go out and market our services to the different physicians in the area. And, and like I mentioned, it didn't matter whether you're a chiropractor, we had braces and, and such from the neck down to the toe, whether you're a veterinarian, we did a lot of compounding. So w- whatever the or orthopedic surgeon, it didn't matter. I would walk in and I would say, I'd like to meet with a doctor. Maybe I can bring in lunch. Maybe I can bring in some bagels for breakfast. And there'd be a gal or a guy up front, professionally dressed, wanting to know who I am. There was a threshold. We, we would call that person the gatekeeper. There was a threshold of entry, right? I would leave my business card. They would say, well, I have to talk to the doctor. We'll get back to you. Sometimes they weren't interested. Many times they were. And that's how I built that practice. Just like you said, the threshold of entry to be a real estate investor and a guru, just like you said, is can you fog a mirror, <laughs> right? And you can print your own business cards and you're good to go. Exactly. Yes. And of course, it helps if you can give a good spill, but you don't have to have any substance behind it. Watch out, people, and know who you're investing with. Well, what's the easiest way to find off-market properties? I don't know that there's an easy way to find that, but what's the best way to find off-market properties? Another great question. And for us as investors, many times those are the best deals for us. If something's already listed on the realtor MLS or everyone knows about it, it's kind of been cherry picked and you may have some competition. So for us, off deal opportunities are usually the best. And for me, you're right. There's maybe not the easiest way but certainly using the people that you're already engaged with, I would call that your sphere of influence. So they may not know someone who has a, a, a distressed property. And when we say distressed as real estate investors, we don't always mean that the property's beat up. You know, there are certainly situations where there's a situation that's challenging. Maybe a family's getting divorced or grandma's going into assisted living and the property may be in excellent shape, but the situation may be distressed. So working within the people, the sphere of influence you already know, because they may not be in the situation to provide you that, that referral, but they may know someone. Yeah. And so what we try to do on our side of the fence with our clients is we work the people that we know and the people that you know, if you ever had a chance to look in your cell phone and look how many contacts you have. Now, many of those contacts are maybe some guy that fixed your broken window for your car a couple of years ago and you got his number stored in there. But for the most part, this is a great place to start because it's people that not only do you know, but they know you and you're looking for that one opportunity, that one off, if you will. And that's a great place to start. Yeah, networking. Great way to get through with anything there. Well, how do you make the competition irrelevant when working with uh, sellers? Thank you for that. One of the things that we do is we create something called a one sheet and we have what we call with our clients, the proper positioning package. And so we want, we want to be different from our competition. We want people to check us out. We want people to know that we're legit. So when we send offers or when we reach out to someone, we send something that we call with it a one sheet, something about ourselves, a professional picture, happy to share it with the listeners if they want to reach out. And here's what it's not. It's not a resume. No one cares in today's world if I was captain of the football team or if I was on the cheerleading team, what they care about is 
who I am as a person, where am I, what kind of statue do I have in the community, what, what kind of integrity do I have. And that's the purpose of the one sheet is to show the person that we're sending it to a seller or an investor. This is his, this is who Stuart is. And we complement that with the same picture being on a website, the same picture being on our LinkedIn page. And so we're branding ourselves. And so when someone goes to look at, and whether you like it or not, people are going to check you out. They might Google your name. They might go on LinkedIn or some other site to see who you are. And if you don't have a presence, they're going to wonder how come? Because in today's world, everyone's everything's on the internet, right? And and I always joke, just because it's on the internet doesn't mean it's true. But but the website I talk about and the LinkedIn profile I talked about, whatever that is, that's going to be stagnant. In other words, it, you can set it and forget it. We really don't update our LinkedIn that often. We don't may not update our website that often. But at least what differentiates us is when we submit an offer, we submit it with a one sheet. If we're getting an introduction, we submit it with a one sheet, knowing that they're going to go to their computer, knowing they're going to check us out, wanting them to do so, and being able to support with references and testimonials. Great idea. Something I need to be sure to start doing. I mean, that's easy to get together a one sheet and submit those with every offer that uh, we submit. Thanks for offering that. I'm going to start doing that. How are raising interest or rising interest rates, how are they going to affect the real estate market? And where do you think the interest rates are going to end up here in the remainder of uh, 23? Thank you for that. And, and, and of course, you know, just, just like you, my, my crystal ball is broken. I, I don't have a crystal ball. But here are my thoughts. There are things that we can control as real estate investors, and there are things that we cannot control. So we cannot control the Fed. We cannot control the weather. We cannot control rising interest rates. We cannot control unemployment, et cetera. There are those things we cannot control. What we can control is our strategy. And so with rising interest rates, in my opinion, we're going to see a couple of things. One, we're going to see some, some slowing down of the real estate market, which we've already seen in some communities. And so with, with that, that's going to then make, in my opinion, more motivated sellers. Because if somebody really wants to sell, if they need to sell, if they have to sell, then they're going to sell. And that gives us opportunities as real estate investors to negotiate on price or negotiate on terms. So as rates continue to rise, I know the Fed said that they may raise rates one more time. Again, don't know. But their goal is to cool down inflation. And our goal is to find great deals. There's plenty of good deals out there. We want our clients to find great deals. And so with, with that said, rising interest rates can't control. But certainly as we look into the future, the purpose is to slow down the market that was hot for many, many years. Now we have a chance to find more opportunities for either seller financing or better price and terms with opportunities. And I'll add to that one, one more piece. Many commercial properties, and I'm speaking specifically of multifamily, although this is true with commercial retail scripts, et cetera, when they got their loans five, seven, 10 years ago, whatever that was, interest rates are very low. And we know that uh, commercial loans, they may be amortized over 20, 30 years, but they have balloon payments. And so as those balloon payments now start to come to fruition, start to expire, and these owners, sellers take a look at what interest rates are today, they may just be fed up and not want to go down that path anymore. Mm -hmm. So we see opportunity coming with more motivated sellers because of the rising interest rates for those that don't want to deal with that anymore. Mm -hmm. I was just reading something yesterday and they were saying that mortgage applications are 
the lowest that they have been in 28 years. So that was shocking to me that it was even lower than back in 2008 and 2009. I was really surprised about that Interesting. because the, the real estate market has not crashed like it did in 2008. 2009. But yet there are fewer applications out there than there were in those years where we crashed. So it seems to me that something is coming <laughs> down the pipeline. And what that is exactly, um, who knows? On top of all of that, LIBOR is going away. I, it's, I think it's July. Is that correct? Or uh, My memory serves correct. You are correct. Yeah. And that is going to require a lot of reset from what I understand of many commercial loans. Mm -hmm. And so it looks like there could be a double whammy for a lot of people who particularly were I guess, over-optimistic when they were making their purchases. So I hope you're right. I hope there's uh, some buying opportunities on their way here. Thus far, I haven't found them. I'm still looking. <laughs> so just summing it up here, Stuart, tell our viewers and listeners how it is they can get in touch with you to take advantage of your expertise, involve themselves in some of your opportunities. Well, believe it or not, I answer my phone. So my <laughs> phone number is 480 480- 443-4500. I'll say that one more time. 480-443-4500. And then my email is also the easiest. And it's simple. It's my name, Stuart, S-T-U-A-R-T, and then the at sign, and then my last name, Gethner, G-E-T-H-N-E-R, Stuart at Gethner.com. I'm sure the proper spelling will be in the show notes as well. And to be honest with you, Alan, I come from abundance. I remember when I first started in real estate, and I sold my pharmacies and the company wanted me to stay on for a period of time. They never used me, but I knew I wanted to get involved in real estate investing. So I brought the Sunday paper with me to work on Monday and I was going to call all the FISBOs, the for sale by owners. And I made a list of questions that I was prepared to ask them. And the first thing I learned on Monday morning was that people are at work that are for sale by owner and not everybody answers their phone. I finally got a lady on the phone and what I thought were questions that would lead to a long discussion probably took maybe 30 seconds or a minute to go through my questions. And then there was that uncomfortable silence. And I said to her, you know what, let me come clean. Uh, I'm a real estate investor. I'm looking for investment property. And she says to me, well, I'm a real estate investor too. And this is investment property for me. And so I pulled out my old pharmacy trick and I said, hey, would you mind if I buy you lunch sometime and we can sit down and maybe you can give me a few pointers. And she said to me, why would I want to do that? All I'll do is create another competitor in the marketplace for me. No, thank you. And I thought to myself, is this lady trying to corner the market on real estate investing? <laughs> because it's probably impossible to do, right? So if anybody wants to reach out to me, I come from the mindset of abundance. So if you want to see what my one sheet looks like, happy to share it. If you want to ask me a question or two, ha happy to share it. That's why I wanted to come on your podcast today, because I know your listeners are more active and, and will actually reach out. And so... So thank you for that. And if they want to reach out by phone or email, please let me know. I'd be happy to help. Well, Stuart, it's been a delight being back with you again. It is always a pleasure for me to be with you. You have such a positive outlook on life, and it's a pleasure to talk with you. So thanks for being with us today, Stuart. Thanks for having me on. Enlightened investors, don't go yet. I have just a couple of quick requests. You know the drill. Like, share, and subscribe. But we also need your help to build our audience, so please go to your favorite podcast app and leave us a five-star rating and review. I'll be most grateful. 
Until next time, prosper and live abundantly. Thank you for tuning in to Real Estate Investing Abundance, brought to you by Steve Talker Capital, a company working for passionate professionals like you to develop financial independence built on solid, passive real estate investments. As part of our efforts to make the world a better place, Steve Talker Capital contributes to activities and organizations committed to better understand the equine. These endeavors attempt to enhance the human treatment of horses worldwide. Steve Talker Capital, working for a world where all creatures, great and small, flourish abundantly. For resources to develop your financial independence, connect with us at stevetalker.com.